Hello and welcome along to the Property Academy podcast. I'm your host, Steve McKnight. And to that show, we're doing a rapid fire of all of the new government's rules. So we recently did a webinar talking all about the top five policies that you need to know that the new government is going to introduce for property investors. And there were so many questions that people asked because there were about 1,500 of you guys online all at the same time. And so that meant there were a lot more questions than usual. We weren't able to get to all of them. So we're just going to go through 32 questions really quickly, or as many of these as we can, so you know what it is. Now, Andrew, the first question is, are there any rules that are better for first-home buyers? No, not at this stage. In fact, you know, there's talk of doing away with Kiwi Build. So, you know, arguably there's some bad news for first-home buyers, but some of the policies that come into place will actually have benefits for first-home buyers later on down the track. And also they're going to help renters. So first-home buyers are often renting at the moment. Yeah, not much for first-home buyers in there. Next from Mark. Mark asked, hi guys, anything in the policies that tell us what's going to happen if we've already got 100% interest deduction? So if you've purchased a new build or you're renting out to social housing, you've currently got 100% of interest deductibility i.e. you're not paying any additional tax after Labor's changes. You know, what happens afterwards? Well, because you are still at 100%, there's no additional benefit for having a new build or renting out to social housing when it comes to interest deduction. So there are still some other benefits to renting your property out to social housing. There are still some other benefits for having a new build, like the lower deposits. But it's all going to be the same when it comes to interest deductibility. So because you didn't face any of those higher taxes, as those higher taxes get phased out, you're still in the same position. What's number three, Andrew? Does it matter when you purchase your property for interest deductibility to apply, i.e. this year purchase? So the answer is, Grant, if your Code of Compliance Certificate came out on or after 27th of March 2020, then you're considered a new build and you get interest deductibility. Any code compliance certificate before that date, you're phased in and phased out. Yeah, but I think what Grant's really getting at is, does that date of purchase actually matter now? And the answer is yes. So if you purchased a property after the 27th of March 2021, right now you've got 0% deductibility. But when it comes to that being phased back in, so when National and Act and New Zealand First say, you're back at 60%, now you're at 80% and they're phasing out those taxes, that purchase date will no longer matter at all. So if you purchased within the last year, you're really going to get a wee Christmas present from this government as they phase it in because you're going to go from 0% to 60%. So that's going to be a real benefit for your grant. Now Mings asks the question, do you need to give a reason or evidence when you use the 90 days no cause termination? So this is the rule where you can say to your tenant, if you're on a periodic tenancy, not a fixed term, hey look, 90 days and then you're out. Now the answer is no, you do not need to give a reason. And that is the whole benefit of the 90-day rule coming back in. VJ, see, what happens if Labor gets in in three years' time? Great question, VJ. We don't know. Potentially, they could come back and undo everything that National's done, same as National are undoing a lot of things that Labor has done. But it's probably unlikely because, you know, basically we're just going back to the way that it has always been for a lot of these policies. I don't imagine it's going to be a flip-flop kind of situation. The main reason I think that as well is you've got to remember what was the context at the time that the interest deductibility rules changed. So that came in after Labour had a majority government, which is almost unheard of in an MMP system, which is the political system we have here in New Zealand. And so it is highly unlikely that they are going to have that majority government again. So I don't expect to see some of those larger changes come back in. 
Stephen asked, was there anything in the agreements about ring fencing? Remember, this is the rule where if you're making a loss on your property, that you could claim some of the tax back that you've paid on your job, which was a wonderful policy. No, nothing in there, Stephen. Probably not coming back over the next three years. Can you explain interest deductibility policy for new properties and with old properties? So the way interest deductibility works really basically, if you earn 40 grand a year in rent and you have 20 go out to interest, and you have 10 go out to operational costs, then you make a profit of 10K. So for a new property where the interest is deductible, that 20K interest bill is deductible, you pay tax on your 10K bottom line figure. If you bought an existing property today and there was zero deductibility, just to make this easy, then it's the 40K rent, it's the 10K operational expenses, you've got 30K profit in the IRD's eyes, so you pay tax as if you're making 30 grand, even though you've still got to pay that interest, So your tax might be 10K, which means that you're actually going to have nothing left over. Yeah, the main thing to think about there, I always say your property is going to be taxed as if you don't have a mortgage, despite the fact that you still have a mortgage to pay. And I think we've got articles on our website if you want to see that more in an article to make it a little bit easier to understand. Now, Shelley's asked the question, if my tenant has a pet and I'm allowed to charge a pet bond, will they need to pay an additional bond or is it only for new tenancies? Now. This was in the National and Act Coalition Agreement, Shelley, and the difficulty is we don't have anything more than like one sentence, which is that landlords will be able to charge pet bonds, which is going to encourage more tenants to have pets, something along those lines. We have no more detail than that. In fact, I don't even think that was in the Act Party policy. I may be wrong, but I I don't remember seeing that even before the election. So we're still waiting on a lot of detail about what pet bonds mean. Having said that, I don't think you'll be able to. You're already under contract with a a tenant, so I don't imagine you're going to be able to go and charge an extra bond now. Next question is, is the 90 days also applicable on a fixed term contract, i.e. a one-year tenancy? No, the 90 days only applies when someone's on a periodic tenancy. Yeah, and you're talking about ending ending a, a tenancy with 90 days yes. notice. Now, Nick's asked the question, when does that 90-day no-cause termination come into effect? And I, I kind of like that he ends it with cheers hunks. I, I kind of like it. Cheers, yeah, right. Now, uh, I think I've got your number somewhere, Nick. You might be getting a call <laughs> if anything ever happens with Angela. Now, the answer is... What? The answer is there is no current date for when they're going to implement it. Remember, we're only two weeks into the current government. They've released their 100-day plan. What I can tell you is changing those tenancy laws is not within the first 100 days. Hopefully, it will come within the next 12 months. Keith said, devil's in the detail of pet bonds. What happens if they force us to take pets? Well, Keith, a couple of weeks ago, we actually did a podcast on exactly this topic. You pretty much are forced, if your tenant really wants a pet, so long as they're being reasonable, you can be forced to through the tenancy tribunal anyway. So I'd take the pet bond as a bit of a win and let them do it personally. Yeah, again, it's a little bit of a wait and see there about what policy is actually going to be implemented. There was an anonymous attendee who also said, after going through that 90 days eviction process, are you allowed to raise the rents or is it only once per year? One of the Green Party policies is that you'd only be able to increase your rents once a year and it would be linked between tenancies. If you get a new tenant, it can change. That's the main thing to think about. So let's say I had a property that Andrew's renting. He was renting it for $500 a week. Six months later, he decides to move out. I can increase the rent because it's with a new tenant. Another anonymous one. If I rent out rooms in my house that I own and live in, so under occupied property, am I allowed to claim interest deductibility? 
or is it strictly for investment properties that you don't live in? The answer is no, generally speaking. If, you're, if you've got border income coming in, often I don't think people are even paying tax on that, frankly, but the answer is no for that situation. If you've got like a split house, like a home and income, yes, you can apportion some of that. Yeah, but then again, you've also got to be paying tax on that. Now, Kit's asked, if the triple CFA changes, have remember that was the rule when all of the banks started digging into your Uber Eats receipts on your statements, see how much you were spending at Kmart and on takeaway coffee. Well, if the triple CFA changes or those rules go, does that mean I no longer need to stop buying takeaways for four months before buying? Or is this just a proposed change? So at the moment, it is just a proposed change, right? So they've said, we want to rewrite that rule. We're going to try and make it easier for people to get mortgages. But there are two things. First of all, that law needs to be passed first. And the second thing is we need to see how the banks are going to interpret that new rule. Because what's happening is the rule forced the banks to be more strict. If they then take that rule away, the banks can still decide that they want to be a bit more strict. So we're going to see what happens. But have a chat with a mortgage advisor kit to see what you specifically need to do to get that mortgage approved. We'll wait and see. So next question, really good one is, when does the bright line start? Does it start from settlement of a, of a new build, for example, or from when you pay the deposit? Well, the answer comes down to when you go unconditional. So if you sign up for a property, you'd go through due diligence for a couple of weeks and then you go unconditional and pay your deposit a couple of weeks later, when you go unconditional, that's when that magic date starts. But just bear in mind, when you sell the property, that can also potentially be the date on that. So you really want to make sure you get some accounting advice on this because you don't want to think you're safe and then find out that there's um, this period that you get captured under. Yeah, if you're an accountant or lawyer listening to this, you'll know there's a few more details in there. But just for the average property purchaser, just think about it as the day you go unconditional. There was another question about the Bright Line test, which says, well, if you bought a property in 2020 as an owner-occupier, but then I turned it into an investment property sometime later, does that mean the Bright Line test restarts when I moved out of it and turned it into a rental property? The answer is no. The Bright Line test starts when you went unconditional on that property. So if when the Bright Line test changes... It's going to be from when you purchase it in 2020. When it changes in 2024, you're going to be outside of the Bright Line test. Okay, so we're running out of time. So let's choose some good ones here, Ed. Oh, you're trying to say that that not all of these questions are no, good and valid. <laughs> no, only, only ones. He's so dismissive, isn't he, that Andrew Nickel? <laughs> if the Bright Line comes off, what are your expectations of property prices suddenly with a lot of people wanting to sell their investment properties? Peter, that's a great question. We actually did a podcast on that, which will come out. Has it come out? Or? Yeah, it will have come out by we'll the have time. come out by now. And we talk about this. We think there will be more stock available on the market as a result of this policy. But when it comes to property prices, you've got to look at the supply and the demand factors. So at our recent webinar, you know, we talked about that we do expect a lot of listings to come on when the Brightline test changes. And in fact, at that webinar, 17% of attendees said they are waiting for the Brightline test to change so that they can go and sell a property that they're wanting to flick on. That will increase the listings on the market. But there are also a whole heap of factors that are increasing demand. Just yesterday, new immigration data that showed that in the last year, our population grew by over 128,000 people just through immigration alone. So there are some factors that will increase supply, but there are a lot of factors increasing demand, which is why every major bank and financial institution is predicting a relatively steady increase in house prices next year. Here's one for you, Ed. 
I had to purchase my first home in my own name. With the changes to Brightline, does that mean after two years I can transition the property into a company structure to get an improved tax benefit? Yes, is the answer. So at the moment, when you purchase that, I don't know the exact date that this person bought that property, but it's probably a 10-year Brightline test. So if you wanted to shift that property into, say, a company for tax benefits, most of the time, you'd have to wait for 10 years before you do that. Again, if you're an accountant, there are some technical rules that mean that you might be able to get around that. But for most people, you'd have to wait for 10 years. Now you're only going to have to wait for two years. And actually, just one other thing to point out there, Ed, you can't just move a property to a company with the express purpose of, or the sole purpose of, I want better tax breaks. You have to have more robust reason than that. So you could restructure for trying to protect your assets, and you'd want to talk to your accountant and lawyer Correct. to get some advice about that. And let's do one final one that I've got to chuck over to you, Andrew. There were probably about 20 people asking, well, does it still make sense to buy a new build property rather than an existing property now that all of the taxes are changing? So one thing to remember is the interest deductibility is going to be phased in over a couple of years. So with interest rates so high at the moment, it's still going to have quite a meaningful impact on people's cash flows, even though it's better than what it was currently. But also you get other benefits with new build properties. You've got lower deposits, which is a major plus for a lot of people. Really affects your return on investment if you have to put twice the deposit down into an existing, basically. Often you get lower vacancy, lower maintenance. So, you know, these are other considerations as well. I think it's certainly a good time for people to be asking that and thinking about it. That's why we recently did a podcast with an absolute update about the arguments for new and the arguments for existing, because the truth is not everybody should buy a new build. Some people are going to be better off buying an existing property. The question is, what is right for you? So go back, listen to that episode. It's probably only about a week or two old now, so you can figure out what's right for you. Right, let's wrap it up there, but please don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe to the podcast. really does help us get the message out to more people. listening to the Property Academy podcast. I'm your host, Steve McKnight. I'm Andrew Nicholl. And we're going to be back again tomorrow with even more daily strategies, tactics and insights to help you get the most out of the New Zealand property market. Until next time, 